0: Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and also Podcast One at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And really, uh, search your podcast, you'll find Lakes, Woods, and Irons. That brought to you in part by Mills Ford, your hometown dealer since 1922. Chris Foley with me. Chris, uh, uh, busy week in golf and, of course, uh, a, a major coming up. And also some uh, kind of local connection, These the Iowa tournaments. Uh, you have uh, kind of a connection to that, and a lot of those happened this week uh, prior to the British.
1: Yeah, it was gosh, a great. The run-up here to the Open Championship, which is, uh, as you know, is, is really my – the Masters is a very close first or second, but the Open Championship week is my absolute favorite. And, gosh, we had a busy week in golf last week with the U.S. Senior Open, the John Deere Classic. Some people call that the fifth major, but those are usually Iowa people. <laughs> uh, and just some other some other events going on the the British the British Senior Open Championship and a lot of uh, or British Amateur Championship, Senior Amateur, and uh, just a lot of great golf going on right now.
0: Yeah, you want to mention a couple of uh, friends of yours? Really have. Uh, done quite well mike McCoy, we've had on the show a number of times and his son both uh, playing quite well of late
1: yeah mike, mike had a, a great weekend last week at the us senior open you know he, mike has uh, you know one of the great amateurs really of all time not just in iowa but uh mike i think he played that was his 68th or 69th uh usga championship which is absolutely phenomenal it ranks right up there it's second or third in the number of players to play all-time in USGA championships. And he uh, he made the cut at the uh, uh, Senior Open in, in Omaha, which was won by Jim Furek and I think finished about you know 58th or 59th. Uh, his son won the Iowa Masters Tournament for the third time, which is a, one of the majors in Iowa. And then uh, fellow Iowan Gene Elliott, who's a great friend and one of the great gentlemen in the game of golf won the the british senior amateur he's the number one ranked amateur in the world and uh probably his biggest win ever it's uh uh he had quite a uh had to work quite hard just to get there yeah uh and then won the championship he (laughs) they uh uh, right now uh, a non-tour player the the players that are going over for the the Open Championship this week. They, they've they had, they're following very strict COVID protocols, but uh, as an amateur going over there, not a, you know, really a sports professional- Sure. Uh, athlete, They he had to go over um, a week early, quarantine for, for five days in a hotel. The only time they could leave, he and his wife, was uh, to get COVID tested. So he had to do that before he left, Granted, both of them are fully vaccinated. So he had to get tested before he left, had to get tested when he landed, had to test two times during the five day period, and then had to test eight days into the trip. So, n- not the greatest prep for the championship. No. But he uh, <laughs> he played phenomenal and uh, uh, won that. And then he's, he'll, he's over there for a week and he'll play in the U.S., or I mean, excuse me, the British Senior Open uh, next week. Uh, so
0: <laughs> a lot of putting on those uh, hotel room carpets. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> there's only <laughs> I traded some, a bunch of texts with them, but uh, only so much you can do when the, within <laughs> those four walls. Wow. Right,
0: right. And uh, Furyk wins, and the uh, Lucas Glover one after ten years. That's a good story. He's kind of uh, uh, he was a guy who who seemed like. Uh, well, he was a young gun for a while. Everybody, I think, thought uh, he would win more than he has, and now after ten years, wins again.
1: Yeah, great story. Story of you know another one of those stories in golf of great perseverance. And um, you yeah, know, he, he Lucas Glover has always struggled with the putter. And on the weeks he's putted well, he's done really, really well. He won the U.S. Open on a week that he putted phenomenal at Bethpage. And you know it's his game. He's always been a a good ball striker, played well tee to green, but is one of those players that's that's struggled with the yips. And um, you know, even when he's playing well, I I remember Wells Wells Fargo a couple of years ago. He, uh, I think he shot well. He he had a putt to shoot fifty nine or sixty. He legs it up, uh, you know, or he hits a good. A, a putt for 59 and leaves it about eight feet short. Then he then he puts it to about a foot, and you know kind of yips that into the hole. So yeah, you know he goes from shooting phenomenal around of 59, still a phenomenal around of 61, but you could really tell um, the the putter can left him on that on that final hole. So um, great story to see him him play so well last weekend.
0: And you were talking about travel there. Pretty good thing that uh, Zach Johnson didn't get on that airplane from Iowa to uh, the British Open. That that could have been oh, a disaster.
1: Boy. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to imagine that any. You know, you don't know if if Zach has has been vaccinated or not. Right. But it's it, the the rate of uh, positive tests when you've been vaccinated are pretty slim. Yeah. Today, and so you just. Wonder how a guy in his position could possibly test positive or you know for exposure when he when he when you could prevent that. So, gosh, as a as a former champion, it's kind of heartbreaking not to go over there. I would think.
0: Right, and relatively recent, 2015, I think. Yeah. Speaking of that, we've got a former champion coming up, a good friend of yours, and uh, this will be a this will be a really fun segment. Uh, Bill Rogers is going to join us, Chris.
1: Yeah, I guess, Bill Rogers, the 1981 Open champion at Royal St. George's. So I'm really looking forward to getting him on and talking about him, you know, him winning the championship there. And then just give us some perspective on, uh, what we we expect to see
0: this week. It was funny. You're watching golf channel talking about Royal St. George's. The talking heads were really, uh, really differing on, uh, 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 Brandel Chambly, I think was saying it's one of the, his favorite courses ever. And, uh, yeah. a couple of the other guys are going. It's too quirky for me. I don't like it. That kind of thing. So <laughs> there's going to be some to. Uh, uh, it, well, always interesting bounces at all the British Open courses. Yeah, the the ground game
1: is so uh, such a big part of, of Lynx Golf and uh, St. George's. I haven't I haven't had the opportunity to play there, but it, uh, there's a lot of you know undulation and there's there's a ton of slope and catch areas around the greens and a lot of slope on the green a lot of undulation on the green so it'll be it's going to be a phenomenal championship I, i just can't wait
0: so we'll have bill rogers coming up and also uh savannah smith formerly savannah stone from crosswoods that'll be great as well looking forward to it you're listening to lakes woods and irons on 1380 kliz welcome back to lakes woods and irons with chris foley colin mcdonald with you 1380 kliz the fan also find us on facebook at lakes woods and irons and at uh, podcast one under lakes woods and irons as well a great landing spot for minnesota podcasts including lakes woods and irons chris special guest we want to uh, introduce yeah i want to introduce savannah smith from crosswoods golf course and in, in uh, pequot lake savannah welcome to the show
2: hey thanks for having me
0: savannah stone <laughs> well,
2: formerly
0: yeah. form, formerly the savannah stone
3: oh sure yes uh,
2: formerly <laughs> i know I, I joined the other i joined the other million smiths out there
1: <laughs> <laughs> right uh savannah you're uh we, are you are the head professional at uh, crosswoods and your family is on the golf course for many years and uh, you, after finishing school and spending a couple of years away, you're back in the area. So, w- welcome back. You're, you've been back a couple of years. Uh, give us a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I went. I graduated from Concordia University St. Paul in 2017, and kind of didn't really wasn't really sure on where I wanted to go in the future. So, I decided to come back to Cross Lake and take a summer to work work back at the golf course, which I had been doing for previous summers before that, but um, kind of found a new, a new love for golf again, not only playing golf, but helping run the business as well and teaching and things like that. So decided to get into the Minnesota PGA at the end of that summer and uh, been working through the PGA school and uh, it's been going really well. I spent My first summer in the PGA program, I spent working at Hazeltine National down in Chaska, which was such a special experience for me. Got to see the private side of life and meet some really great people. And then I spent a summer working at Braemar Golf Course in Edina and did mostly teaching there. So it was a great experience to work with different groups of people and really hone in my teaching philosophy. And. Then decided to make the big move and come back home to help out my parents and kind of get to do a little bit of everything here. So teaching and helping run the shop and uh, food and ber- uh, food and beverage management and, you know, everything that you get to learn in the PTA. So it's been it's been fun kind of, you know, helping my parents with their vision and kind of being able to add in my own vision for where we want the business to go. But, yeah, that's a little bit on my background
1: well, that's great. Well, it's great. It's great to have you back in the area, Savannah. And uh, tell us about Crosswoods. What, uh, for those who don't know where it's at, and give us a little background on the golf course.
2: Yeah. So Crosswoods, we're located in the heart of Cross Lake, Minnesota, and uh, we've been a full 18-hole course since 1997. And then we, in 2015, we opened up our third nine. So we're actually 27 regulation, golf holes with also a small par three course and driving range area so we've got a little bit of everything you know or cut through the woods uh, in a wildlife refuge so it's very scenic and lots of lakes and woods and and ponds and things like that but um, especially this year I know that all the golf courses have been feeling it with with very little rain that we have gotten but um, our superintendent, which is actually my dad this year, he's been working really hard. And I think honestly, the course is maybe even in the best condition that it's ever been. We're always looking to improve things out here. We're not ones just to kind of sit around and uh, let things go. So we're just always making small improvements, but no, the course is great. And we've had, we've had a very busy season so far, which I'm, I think a lot of golf courses have.
0: With that third nine, Savannah, I know sometimes they take a a few years to mature, so that must really be looking great, the new nine.
2: Yes, I think this year for sure it's finally starting um, to solidify itself, and everybody is always excited to get out there and play it. Uh, It has a couple really great par threes that go down to a private lake, and uh, it's probably some of our signature holes down there, but... It's playing really well, and the greens are in great shape. Um, so yeah, we've just been we've just been doing doing well up here in our little a little corner of paradise, as we like to call it.
0: <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Talk about a couple of those uh, what you might think are signature holes, Savannah.
2: Yeah. So our courses are named like we kind of follow the sun around. So we have sunrise, high noon, and sunset are the names of our three courses. But The first hole that comes to mind for me is Sunrise Number 5. It's a a 160-yard par 3, a little bit downhill. Down and behind the green is this private lake. There's only one home on the lake, so it's very scenic. You can usually see some trumpeter swans or some loons out there. Um, But it's tricky because there also is a marshy area kind of covering the front part of that green. So it's almost a little bit of an island. Um, you definitely have to, have to land it right on the green to, to be in a safe spot. But just the, I think most of people who are out here, that's where they take their pictures when they're on here. So we get a lot of, a lot of photos on that hole. And also sitting on that, right by that tee box is our, uh, the Tin Cup, which is our little beverage station out there so people can stop and get a little refreshment and enjoy the view.
1: Very nice. I, I love that name, the tin cup.
2: Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. It's very cute.
1: <laughs> Savannah, how about uh, memberships and leagues, those type of things? What, what do you guys offer?
2: Yes, we have a very predominant men's and women's league here, so they play during the week. Um, you know, we have over 100 people in our men's league and over 40 ladies in our women's league, so very good membership and they have been very strong for the last 10 years or more. Um, Lots of really great people that have just kind of stuck with us through it all and uh, we love having them out here and just lots of great customers in general. We get a lot of people that come to visit us from the cities or even from all across the United States and they come to vacation up here and uh, they definitely like to stop by and say hello. Um, We also have a pretty predominant uh, couples golf night once a month. So that's always a themed event, usually the last Sunday of the month, which has been a fun addition the last couple of years. We have our Luau on the Lynx one planned for the end of this month. So it's usually usually very themed and everyone dresses up and uh, we get about uh, over 20 couples that come and play in that as well. So it's it's very fun.
0: Chris has always been a big proponent, Savannah, of um, more ladies getting into uh, the PGA as professionals, like like you're you're doing. And uh, I guess you guys really have some common ground there, Chris. That's been a real passion of yours to get young people into the profession of golf.
1: Yeah, no question, and. Uh... Uh, you know, we, we definitely need more young ladies like Savannah in the business. And uh, I th- hopefully I had a little bit of influence. I talked to her one time about the, how great she would be in the business. So I was, I was <laughs> glad to see that she, uh, she followed that path.
2: Honestly, yeah. You know, when I think back to it, Chris, you were probably one of the main deciding factors for me after we had that conversation I always I always tell people that you're kind of like my golf mentor in that sense no no, it's uh it's been good but yes I would 100% agree that you know we need we need good female professionals just to not be not be intimidated I mean it kind of is you know it traditionally it's been a a men's kind of game but it's changing. I mean, we see a lot more female professionals on tour, and they're playing really, really well. and um I think if that can kind of bleed into the professional teaching side of things and running golf courses, um, just give it give golf a good well rounded atmosphere.
1: yeah, absolutely. it's uh, you know it's it's such a great as we talk it's it's just it's it's the best game in the world and and we've Honestly, got yeah uh we've got you know so many more kids playing so many more ladies playing and uh we need we need more more influential women in the game uh you know running the businesses and teaching and and having influence in the game of golf so i, I i'm glad you're involved Sabina.
2: oh well i appreciate that yeah it's been there's a lot of opportunities i I coach the high, the Pequot Lakes girls high school golf team, and I'm always telling them, you know, if you're, there's so many opportunities, especially in women's golf, you know, for playing in high school and college, and, you know, even after college, just just being involved in this game, it, it has its pull for sure.
1: Speaking of that, you, you guys had a great spring this year. You, you, uh, your team qualified for the state tournament and have a very young team.
2: Yes, yes. It was kind of coming off a year after COVID. We didn't have a season last year. So my whole theme coming into the season was just, I didn't have a lot of expectations. We were just going to go out and have fun and uh, see what we could do. And I think that, you know, that's what they did. They had tons of fun and they bonded right away. They're a very young team and it played in our favor and we were able to go to the state tournament, which we hadn't gone as a team since 2015 so it has been it's been a few years since we've been down there and it was the first year for me with the Pequot Lakes girls to go to the state tournament so it just brought back so many memories and it was fun to share that experience with them but it just got them so psyched for golf and they're going to be playing together all summer getting getting even more excited for next year so
1: well if, if memory serves right the last teams that went uh, had you and your sister on them I believe
2: we were, we were part of the 2013 team and then my sister and Maggie Hagerston, they took a couple teams a couple years after I graduated but yes right. we, that was our, those are some fun times for sure lots of lots of really great memories Savannah
0: so, so, you wanted to cool. talk about an August event you've got coming up at uh, Crosswoods it sounds good
2: Yes, we are actually hosting our first Minnesota PGA event in August. So we're hosting the Team Gilboa Athletic Scholarship Pro-Am tournament. So we're getting inviting pros and amateurs from all over the Minnesota section to come up and experience Crosswoods for a great event just to kind of get young athletes the ability to participate in the in the sports that they love. So we're getting excited for that. We're getting a lot of sign ups and getting the course prepped and everything. But uh we're so excited to kinda show off Crosswood golf course a little bit to maybe some people who have never never ventured up this far. So yeah, we're really excited and if there are any pros or ands out there who are interested, please please feel free to reach out and we'll we'll get you get you signed up for that one. But no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun. The Minnesota section is such a great section and they do so many wonderful things so we're just so fortunate to be a part of it and uh help help contribute to success so well
1: it sounds like a great event savannah
2: yeah
0: savannah everything sounds great um really appreciate you taking the time and uh we want people to put crosswoods on their golf calendar 27 beautiful holes plus all the other amenities out there and plus uh, lessons and teaching available too as well
2: Absolutely. Yes. I really appreciate you having me. It's such great. So great to chat with you guys and just talk about golf, everything that we all love. (laughs) True enough. Yes.
0: That's Savannah Smith. Thanks for coming on, Savannah. Thanks for joining us, Savannah. Thank you, guys. That's Savannah Smith, PGA professional at Crosswoods Golf Course in Crosslake. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods & Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods and & Irons and Podcast One at Lakes, Woods & Irons as well. That brought to you in part by Ernie's on Goal. Be sure to stop in there. Very, very special guest today and a timely guest. Chris, I'll let you handle the introductions.
1: Yeah, I want to welcome one of my favorite guys in golf, good friend of mine. Uh, the 2 or the 1981... British Open champion Bill Rogers. Bill, welcome to the show.
3: Well, thank you, Chris. You and Colin, good to be with you.
1: And uh,
3: golly, man, it, it, it was forty years ago. That's a, man, that's forever
1: ago.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, I, 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 was, I was thinking about that last night, Bill. Because I mean, I re- I, I would have been a, a, a freshman in high school that year. But I remember that that uh, that tournament vividly, and I had really I had gotten into the game probably three or four years ago. But I was, you know, such a huge fan, and I remember watching that, and just uh, it was a phenomenal tournament. But you know, it, it's you know for the fourth time since you won it, it's back at Royal St. George's, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the tournament, give people a preview of the event, but. Um, 1981 was a fabulous year for you in golf uh you've worked times, and uh one of the great years in golf well i'll tell you what uh i kind of caught
3: light in the bottle that's a you know give an athlete a little confidence and you know there's kind of he can uh run with it and and that was a special year for me it certainly was and uh you know, as I reflect back on on my career, uh, you know, I seem to have uh, you know as much success or more internationally. I, uh, like I played a lot in Australia, Japan, Europe, and obviously in the states. But uh, uh, I kind of um, almost in amazement look back and, and, and try to figure, well, why? You know what what was uh, what was that all about? But fact of the matter is, you know, Young loved what I was doing, uh, loved professional golf. My wife was all in. She was a great partner in the the whole journey and uh heck, you know, uh, uh all of a sudden things started just uh, falling right into place uh early in the year winning Hilton head and then finishing second in the US open to David Graham at Merriam and heck I was beaming with with confidence and I rolled into royal st george's
1: ready to go and uh, you know had a, had a magical week yeah. you, when you contrast those two golf courses marion and, and royal st george's oh. totally different golf courses and t- tell us about the setup i mean a u.s open setup is so tends to be so penal and you know the the rna totally sets their golf courses up differently tell, tell us about that bill well,
3: you're right, uh, and obviously, for for obvious reasons, you know they're all links uh, venues, and usually in open golf, uh, open championship golf, you have weather uh, being an issue, and so they have to be a little bit more sensitive. Uh, they can't have the lightning fast greens that they usually have in U.S. Opens, but um, uh, you know, just a stark contrast is. Uh, of the two golf courses, would be you know the U.S. Open that year at Merion, always real high rough narrow fairways, a uh, little bit more generous uh, area to play in at Royal St. George's. However, uh, there are a lot of blind shots there, and uh, which you know kept kept you off balance somewhat. But uh, at the end of the day, you know when you're uh, full of confidence, striking the ball solidly, and just, you know, right where you want to be, uh, you know, you couldn't, call, uh, couldn't ask for more. And I, I, I kind of fell into that slot, uh, you know, it, it, that, that week at Royal St. George's.
0: The uh, Golf Channel guys were talking the other day about how Royal St. George's always brought out uh, great champions, and, uh, and they kind of mentioned uh, you, Bill. They said, well, at, at the time, you might have been the number one player in the world.
3: Well, it was, uh, you know, heck! I, uh, I think uh, any time anybody would assess Bill Rogers, where they would go right to nineteen eighty one, and <laughs> uh, really right. so. I mean, I won seven times, uh, you know, internationally, that uh, including the Australian Open. I won on four continents, and you know, heck! Uh, any any player would take a year like that. But you know, i uh, beginning the tour in seventy five, and uh, you know, kind of going through the process of learning to lose, learning to win, learning to play in between and, and just learn the lifestyle. There's a lot that uh, preempts success. And and uh, heck, I, I, I would never, I'd like, you know, humbly say, you know, paid my dues in terms of working hard, but it's it's all I wanted to do. And uh, uh, major championships seem to bring out the best to me. I like the harder tests, the harder venues, and uh, I don't know about... Uh, you know, maybe uh, they, there there wasn't a, a bona fide uh, you know world ranking system then. Mark McCormick had what uh, they called the Sony rankings, and I think uh, you know I was atop that. But it was it was a good year. Heck, I um, you know I I, uh, I think one other. Highlight to that year uh, was I uh, play on the Walker Cup or the Ryder Cup team, which was uh, extra special. Gosh, I had one of the arguably the best Ryder Cup team ever assembled for the Americans. So that was a real honor and and uh, privilege as well. So it was a magical year. I keep
1: uh, repeating myself, but it was. <laughs> Bill, you know, I think you went into the final round with a four shot lead. Uh, and, you know, you. you you played well on the front, and then then you kind of went off the rails a little bit. And I, you know, I always talk about the you know the, one of the traits of a champion is, is emotional resilience. And talk about that final round, and you know, kind of what took place in the middle of the round, and how you got yourself back on track.
3: Well, Chris, that's a that's a good
1: question because
3: uh, you know, experience is such a great teacher and you know, everybody had liked to hand uh, hand write the last round in and just hand it in but they they hadn't started doing that yet. And uh man I'd played so well the first three rounds and no reason and I had a five shot lead actually going uh, into the last day. And it's certainly my tournament to win or lose. And by the seventh hole that day, I'd played cautiously and nothing like I'd played the first three days. And I'd, uh, heck, uh essentially let everybody back into the, into the tournament, had a one shot lead standing on the eighth tee. So, um, uh, anyway, uh, emotional resilience is a good way to determine. i uh, I just, uh, you know, had, had been a learner of the game and knew that, there, uh, you know, uh, panic and, and racing of emotions, racing of thoughts uh, tries to set in there, but uh, you learn who you are and what, uh, how to handle those situations. And I was able to uh, kind of right the ship. And, you know, really adversity is a very good thing uh, to happen, and it will happen more often than not. Uh, in a in a final round of a major championship, and that can be the best thing, a uh, very best thing that can happen to a player because it snaps you right back into the right now and but presence of uh, thought, presence of mind, and you know, getting back in the in the flow of the uh, of, of what put you there in the first place. So, uh, uh, Anyway, I, I, I kind of chalk it up. Experience had taught me a, a, a lot, and I wasn't going to—still uh, was leading the golf tournament, still had a lot of holes, a lot of holes to play, and uh, no, no racing of thoughts, no, uh, was able to kind of have clear thinking uh, on that tee shot on the eighth hole, and, you know, began to get my feet back under me.
0: And that was after the U.S. Open, right, uh, Bill? Right. So you'd been through you'd you'd been through the fire uh, shortly before that.
3: <laughs> right. You know, if you play long enough, you're gonna you're gonna see a, about all of it. And uh, you know, I think uh, the good ones they they learn from adversity, learn to embrace adversity, and not fear it. And you know, we could you know kind of probably tee up a, a, a coaching or a mental coaching kind of uh, experience just in my last round there. But, uh, you know, you just, you take it as it comes and, you know, you, you work at it and, and, uh, you know, you, you, you fight through the tough stuff
1: and, you know, that's, uh, it, it, it's all worth the, worth the while. Bill, how much harder is it to go into a, the final round of a, a tournament, much less a major championship, with a big lead like that? Is it is it more difficult, or is it comfortable? Or, you know, T- Tiger has won very few tournaments coming from behind. Almost all his yeah. leads, and he's you know he's he's had so many big leads going into the final rounds, and he just cruises in for the victory. But was that a harder experience, you feel, or or was it were you comfortable with that lead? Oh, I think it was, Chris. A great question. Yeah, I, I'd never
3: led. I don't even think I ever led a junior tournament by five <laughs> shots. I mean, you know, thinking way back, and yeah, uh, absolutely, it was a different position to be in, uh, and especially in a major championship. And you know, we're all great. Uh, back to that kind of experience uh, conversation. We're all great at really layering on the pressure, but uh, you know, with a five-shot lead, you can you know, you can go all kinds of different places and, you know, kind of get dark. Well, what if I, what if I lose this? And, you know, you're of course you're uh, becomes an issue of, of, you know, what will they think if I blow this and all the type stuff that wants to creep in there. But, you know, uh, you just learn to d- deal with the, with the demons and, you know, show up and all they can, all they can do is give you that one shot, that first tee shot, the last day. And you got to, Make it as good, the best you can, and then and then start the start the trip again. And so it, it really becomes kind of uh, monotonous and and routine. And uh, you, know, you just have to handle the rough stuff as, as it comes.
1: Yeah, Bill, have you been back to Royal St. George's many times since the uh, since your win there? Well, well, I went back
3: for the. Was it '85? I think. Santa I might have won there. Is that right? Uh, It was four or five years after. It was either, yeah, I believe it was '85. Yeah, uh, that it returned to Royal St. George's, and uh, yeah, that was my uh, last return. And then I went over with a group of friends. uh, I think it was in the mid uh, 1990s. And uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a quirky, tough golf course. And if they uh, if it decides to have a little uh, weather. set in on the on the links there it's going to be a, it's quite the test i can tell you because it it uh foul balls just will not not work around there
0: what should our our listeners watch for when they when they have it on this weekend bill
3: well i think the i really think and it, it obviously you know don't want to overstate the the weather part of it but you know, the, probably the number one thing, and it would relate to the very best that have ever played the game to uh, all all other players included, patience in a major championship is the key thing. You can't exactly see that, uh, but, you know, with the announcing crew that, uh, you know, has experience at doing these things, they, they identify which players are apparently – you know, have control of their golf ball and also of their emotions, because uh, you can. And Chris said it earlier. You can really get off the rails, and you can't reel it back in. Uh, uh, it, you know, at, at these uh, at these difficult uh, uh, open venues. Yeah, build the. Um, you know
1: the. Everybody talks about what a great era the the golf is right now and how light, high the level of play is, which I agree. But you know, when when you were playing in the in the the early '80s, mid '80s, it, it, the level of play was phenomenal. If you think about the players, you know, you and Lee Trevino and Jack Nicklaus and. Arnold Palmer at the end of his career, and Watson, and Tony Jacklin, and Seve Ballesteros, and Johnny Miller. I mean, it, the the list of players is phenomenal. And how, how would you compare your era to the current group of players? Well, I
3: I, I never do that. To be uh, quite honest with you, I never. Uh, I don't think comparisons are actually uh, fair uh, in regards to eras. Uh, I would tell you. And I've said it many, many times. I am so grateful and fortunate that I played in the era that I did, because uh, the, the 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 list of players that you just uh, mentioned, um, golly, they some of them very uh, foundational in the game, establishing the game for what it is now. But uh, the truly greats, uh, you know, they're just in boy, they're plenty of depth and. Uh, Tremendous athletes, all, Uh, most every uh, body that you named off uh, tried different sports, you know, uh, growing up and were very, very good athletes. So uh, I just think that uh, it it, it can't be a fair assessment because, um, you know, of what has taken place in regards to technology and, uh, you know, mental coaching and, uh, you know, uh, physical fitness, all those things uh, relate to this phenomenal golf that this uh, generation of players are playing in. And, man, I'm a, I'm a big fan of watching them uh, do it. You know, it's still golf and it's still uh, tournament golf and it still requires a lot of discipline. And, uh, you know, there was no less discipline and no less uh, intensity when we played uh, versus, uh, modern day golf. So I'll take a, I'll take a, uh, uh, a, a backseat on the, on the comparison issue, but both <laughs> generations, as we yeah. speak of them were, were very, very special and good. Yeah.
1: What, what, what's your thought bill on, you know, there's such an emphasis on speed and distance currently in the game of golf and kind of the, some of the things that, that Bryson DeChambeau has brought to the game. Yeah. What, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, they've taken great advantage
3: of it, uh, Chris. You know anything that the USGA RNA will give them, they'll take it to the absolute limits. And uh, you know, we have a kid somewhat. Uh, I have I've, I've watched enough golf to know some of the stuff that's going on, but we have a, a, a player in DeChambeau that. Almost, you know, some people would like to think that he's redefining and and, and making the game uh, kind of a new. I, I don't believe that. First, the game will always take care of itself. It's always, uh, you know, gonna gonna hold hold the test of time, and there are gonna be players that do it this way, that way, and every every way every way imaginable. But uh, I think it's interesting. It's fun to follow, and uh, it's it, it creates uh interest in the uh in, in the professional golf ranks and because of that you know golf the golf
1: industry as a whole is in a good place yeah for sure yeah and you, you've been around a lot of college players with you know you helping your helping the yours of your texas san antonio and what what to, for a kid to advance to the pga tour what what are some of the things that it takes bill
3: Well, I'll tell you what, the training ground is so good these days, and that's one of the Aspects to modern-day uh, golf and how well they're doing it. It begins, uh, you know, very early. They just have so uh, so much training ground from uh, uh, tournament competition to coaching, which you know, coaching takes in the, a lot of different aspects that weren't uh, really all that uh, popular in my day. Meaning nutrition, physical fitness, uh, you know, and uh, in, and. In, in, a, a wide array of places to compete and practice and play. So uh, the, I think that they wind up on the same, Chris, uh, with uh, uh, probably m- more advanced than uh, when I was uh, coming up in the in, in, in the game. And, and that means kind of junior level and then the college level. They're uh, – golly, they – uh, they're prepared. It's it's quite obvious when you look at the list that players, the youth movement, uh, they, they're doing it so well and have so much belief, and they have no room for uh, fear of failure in their in their toolbox. So they're they're ready to go.
1: Yeah, they're they're, they're not scared when they come out.
3: No, they're really not. And, uh, you know, uh, I've always thought the game, since I've known it and grew up in it and have played it, has been a game of thresholds. And I don't know. I'm sure there are going to be some more thresholds. But, you know, when I played, the foreigners couldn't win in America. That, obviously, threshold was was plowed down. You know, the Japanese couldn't win our tour. That threshold fell. Uh, Certain uh, equipment thresholds. And you know now you've got all the uh, you know heck, about every year a new one is is kind of brought to the forefront. But uh, you know the game continues
1: to advance and and get better because of the uh, the talent level. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bill, we want to be mindful of your time, but one one last question: You, you have any uh, what, what's your prediction for uh, for a winner for this week at St. George's? You have any favorites? Well,
3: so. Yeah, so you know somebody asked me that question the other day, and I I don't know why, but two names came to mind: Victor Hovland. uh, Boy, he can win anywhere, anytime, uh, and and when he starts, he may not quit. Uh, (laughs) But he has that uh, I think that kind of that major championship uh, aura about him. And then uh, Harris English is is he's so uh, easy to watch and pleasing to the eye to watch him swing the golf club and looks like he can do anything he wants to with the golf ball. I like him I, and he's, he's got a ton of confidence coming into this week.
1: Yeah, he's, he's certainly playing well. Good story there is my son Joe works at, at, teaches at Sea Island and after Harris win a couple weeks ago in, uh, in Connecticut he, uh, he flew back to Sea Island late that night Joe said he was in the gym at 7:30 the next morning and working on his game the rest of the day. So, you know, he's hungry. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the,
3: the boy, there's no replacement for, you know, maintaining that hunger level and thirst for uh, success. And, you know, you uh, those kids are, are awfully disciplined in this new age of uh, the teams built around them, I think is brilliant. And, uh, you know, uh, it all equates to some people doing it very special. So we'll have a fun time watching this week, and uh, it'll be
1: a good test for them. Well, Bill, I, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time and uh, looking forward to watching uh, the Open Championship this weekend.
3: Uh, Chris, you call and calling are kind to have me, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in Texas when we see you.
1: <laughs> that sounds great, Bill. I look forward to it.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much, Bill. Bill. That is that is Bill Rogers, the 1981 Open champion and 14-time winner around the world, six-time winner on the PGA Tour, and kind enough to take some time with us, uh, Bill Rogers. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ. The fan also find us on Facebook at uh, Lakes Woods and Irons and Podcast One, Lakes Woods and Irons as well. Chris, uh, wanna th- we want to thank uh, Bill Rogers, 1981 Open champ, for being with us. What a great segment. What a modest guy for uh, as, as great a golfer. Former number one in the world, really, if they'd had rankings then. And also uh, Savannah Smith from uh, Crosswoods Golf, a great new addition to the uh, golfing community in our area and just in general going to be, a, am sure, a great uh, PGA professional.
1: Yeah, Savannah's fantastic.
0: Royal St. George's, uh, British Open, you've got a great love affair with uh scotland and ireland and you've taken groups over every year really for as for many years certainly about since the show began uh so you've got a quite a feel for the open championship style of golf chris what what's it going to take and uh, how different is the game for uh, particularly probably for the american players
1: you know it um the biggest thing about lynx golf and that differs here is, you know, the, the, the the ground conditions are so much firmer and you, you get a lot more kind of what nature laid on the ground as opposed to, you know, really well, really manicured fairways, rough greens. And, uh, even though you see a lot of Brown, I haven't, I haven't gotten to see much of the, the pre coverage this week. So I don't know how Brown the golf course is. But you know they they don't. The reason it's brown is one, it's it, it tends to be a little drier. But you know it's so sandy there, and they don't they don't tend to use as many chemicals on the golf course. So green is not important to to the Scots and uh, in that part of the world. The, they they let the golf course kind of go as it does. But the, the fairways are absolutely fantastic. The the surface is great it's just more firm. And so because of that, the ball tends to, tends to roll a lot more. The wind affects the ball a lot more because, you know, there's nothing to block the wind. And uh, I think that the biggest adjustment is just that, in the that finding the, the turf conditions and the, and the wind, and there's not, not much to stop the golf ball. So you get, a, especially around the greens, you get a lot more runoff. In the fairways, uh, you know, when you get these fairways that are lined with these, these deep bunkers, again, it puts more premium on on driving the golf ball in the fairway and not in the bunkers and not in the, the tall fescue. And I, I, I read something today that they, you know, the Open Championship was supposed to be played at St. George's last year. COVID was canceled. So they have not mowed the rough since last year. No kidding. Which, yeah, <laughs> which I I can't I can't imagine, and you know I think if you, if you don't mow it, it, it doesn't grow as much, but yet uh, I would guess it's going to be, boy, it's got to be just extremely long and thick, and it, it will be it'll be interesting to see what how that plays out. It's not like U.S. Open rough that's so rut that is so lush and deep it's you know it's much more wispy and um if you can find your ball it's probably more playable than hitting out of the the you know the u.s open type rough but that that's going to be interesting so um you know the the players on the pga tour are used to flying the ball uh to the hole and and they play the ball much more in the air and and they'll still continue to play that It's it's a different game than it once was trying to Play it down in the wind and those type of things, but the, those players they're so good at controlling their distance and controlling fighting the golf ball that it isn't as big an effect as it was it is it once was
0: so yeah, yeah, um, well, I was looking but, at the history yeah. of it and the it really the cream really rises at the British Open over the years um I was just looking at the nineteen late nineteen sixties and early and then through the seventies. The list of champions, Peter Thompson won in 65, and he won, I think, five British Opens. He played the ground game as good as anybody. But then it goes, Nicholas DiVincenzo, player, Jacqueline, Nicholas, Trevino, Trevino, Weisskopf, player, Watson, Johnny Miller, Watson, Jack, Nicholas, Sevy, Tom Watson, and that was just before Bill Rogers won it. So, I mean, those guys were probably top three or four players in the world when they won it. For ten years straight,
1: yeah, and absolutely. And if you if you think about that list, all phenomenal ball strikers.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: all guys who just hit it hit it really pure, and could control you know could control their trajectory and and their distance and um, you know what I watched a replay of the eighty one Open Championship, and we didn't get into this with with Bill, but. Bill hit so many greens and hit so many uh, shots just pin high, uh, and that's why he had a, a five-shot lead. All the other players were missing greens and hitting in the bunkers around the greens. And I don't ever remember in the he, he probably did, but in the TV coverage, it never showed Bill in a bunker. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like like Tiger when he won it at Lytham and St. Anne's and, and never hit it in a bunker all week.
0: So do you teach the uh, the bump and run game, Chris?
1: Anytime you you know, especially <laughs> for for mid handicap player, most players try to get the ball up in the air around the green. And, yeah. Um, you know, I always, uh, my adage is putt when you can. When you can't putt, you chip, and then you pitch when you have to. So meaning, you, you got to get that ball on the ground on the green as soon as you can and rolling. Your errors are much smaller there than when you try to throw the ball up in the air. And, And the average player is trying to they hit sand wedge or lob wedge for every shot around the green, and they try to fly it to the hole, and um, you know your margin for error there is just very
0: high. So seven or eight, nine around the greens on the short grass, you'd recommend.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: Another good week. Be fun to see. Of course, as we air, it's uh, two rounds into the British, and we'll know a lot more when we're back next week, Chris. Well,
1: we'll look forward to a, a good summary next on uh, next week's show.
0: Great show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mac. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.